Thank you, Pastor Mike and Pastor Joy, for having us in your home. It's such a warm welcome. And it's just, uh, you're just such a great group of people. Saturday afternoon, and there's this many people here, I'm amazed. It must be a great place, this church. Well, it obviously is. And what a beautiful presence of God the worship team brought in. I enjoyed God while we were worshipping. Last night we talked about the gospel of power and the supernatural boldness. And this afternoon I want to talk about how is it possible that we can carry that supernatural power? What's, what have we got to do to be able to carry it? And I'm going to read a few scriptures to start with and then I'm basically going to be just... That's the power right there. <laughs> now I'm just going to be talking about some of the ways or one of the ways that God has shown me. It's very practical and it's been of enormous help to me. By the way, there's some CDs out there and I think whatever ones you pick up, it will encourage your life and puts, leave a deposit in your heart, I think so. And the first scripture I want to... Our read is Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24. <clears throat> that you put off concerning your former conduct or way of life, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I memorized that not that long after I got saved. But I never knew how to put off the old man, be renewed in my mind and put on the new man. I didn't know the mechanics of it. How do you go about doing that? I'd put off the old man, but he'd pop back again. How do you put off the old man and change? That's what we're going to be talking about. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've seen signs up if you're my age. In the olden days, repent, your doom is nigh, almost, you know, like you're about to drop into hell, repent. Repent actually means change how you think. That's the actual meaning of that word. It doesn't mean weeping and wailing. Though that may come, you may weep and wail, and if you do and God moves it, that's good. But it means to change how you think. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we read this. 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I never quite knew how to do that. How do you renew your mind? I thought it was memorizing Scripture. And I thank God I memorized Scripture. I memorized reams of Scripture. But I didn't find that memorizing the Bible made me actually do it. I still found those old things inside of me, even though I did that. I love memorizing the Scripture. And I urge everybody here to memorize the Scripture. 
And then confession. I was con I moved in confession. It did me the world of good. But it still didn't put off the old man and put on the new man. How do you do this and be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that we are transformed? And the last scripture I want to read is 1 John chapter 4, verses 4 and 13. <clears throat> then I'll put all these things together, I hope. You are of God, little children, and, I, and have overcome them. That's the things of this world and whatever. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The he who is in us is the spirit of the living God. The one who is in the world is the devil. Verse 17. Uh, 13, sorry. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So you and I are not alone. How do I do this stuff? How can I make this work? Bear with me while I just uh, talk for a while and I trust that today we'll have the power to transform your Christian experience and that you will walk in greater victory by far after today than you did before you came here this afternoon. At least it's done that for us. The old man is the fallen nature, the person that we were before we came to Christ. And you might think like I did. I read in the Bible that, it, that no good thing dwells in us, you know. And I thought, that's not true. I got a lot of good points about me. Just got a couple of bad ones, but I got a lot of good ones. But the old nature came from Satan's influence in the Garden of Eden. And out of it is every possibility of corruption. Every evil there is in the human race comes out of that old nature. Jesus said, put it off. My problem was, I didn't know how to put it off. And then to be renewed in the spirit of my mind, but I didn't know how to do that either. I tried as I heard somebody say this and this, and it all helped. But I didn't know quite how to do it. And then to put on the new one, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. The Bible teaches us that as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he formed for you a brand new creation and it's been waiting for you from that day to this. How could God do that for six billion people on the earth? Because he's God. He can do anything. He's a magnificent person, an amazing person. And when the Bible simply says that God dwells in us. That's just a statement. But if you let it fill out in your consciousness, as you meditate, as you sit and think with God, and think with the Holy Spirit, the word to meditate is most often translated think. But it's an inward sort of thinking. It's not just a mental thinking. It's a spiritual thinking. You know, the Bible teaches us that you have two minds. You have a natural mind, but as a man thinketh in his heart or his spirit or his inner being. So I can think from down in here or I can think from up here. And we need both. 
for my natural world, driving a car, I need to think from up here. Two and two are four. I think from up here. But when I start to think of God filling my life, I think from down here. You've got to make the transition. I think from down there as I think the presence of God can flow out from me. And this afternoon, it's sure going to do that. Last night, we got caught up and ran out of time. But this afternoon, I'm going to be briefer. And I want to minister in the power of God somewhat. Tonight, we're going to get into it in the power of God. But this is very important. Every character trait that you have is built on thoughts. You cannot be a greedy person without having greedy thoughts. And if you kill the greedy thoughts, the greedy person dies. They have got nothing to support it. You can't be a jealous person without having jealous thoughts. And if you put off the old man, or if you kill the je je jealous thoughts, as we're going to speak about how to do that, then the jealous jealousy that's been your life or part of your life will die. So I can say to Anne, I am not a changed man, I am a new man. For the man that I used to be is dead. Because the thoughts that supported that man no longer exist. He cannot exist. Where you have thoughts and you just are taming the old man, you'll always have trouble. You can put a tiger in a cage, but he'd still like to eat you. He's a tiger. You can muzzle a dog. When the postman comes by, he growls, but he still wants to bite him. You can muzzle the old nature, but until you kill it, it still wants to get up and will spring up when you don't notice. And thoughts will come into your head that you don't really want. Jesus' answer is to put him off. It was a, such a key to me when I realized that every evil thing that was about my life or every part of me that belonged to the flesh or the old nature was only supported by thoughts. And when I came against those thoughts and I destroyed those thoughts, that thing could not live. Anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what habit you've got. Habits have to live on thought. Nothing can live unless you give it a basis of thought. When you destroy the thoughts, the life would collapse. It cannot live. I hope you can really see that. If you can really see that, and then you get alone with God and you work that through in your spiritual thinking. However, nature abhors a vacuum. And if all you do is kill that old thought, you're nothing. I have to replace it and put on the new man. Now the new man of kindness, of generosity, it also is built on thought. Everything is built on thought. Pillars of thought hold up a life. Either the old life, different thoughts hold up the new life. And when you destroy the old thoughts, it dies. Some people are control freaks. Well, they might be nice people, but they're control artists. They can only remain a control artist while thoughts support it. Some people are real gossips. 
You can only be a gossip if you allow the thoughts and the pleasure that gossip gives you to exist. If you want to kill gossiping, you have to kill the thoughts. If you want to kill lust, you have to kill the thoughts that support it. If you want to destroy homosexuality, you have to destroy the thoughts that support it and the emotions. Anything, anything, anything at all is built on thoughts. Now, if you were to go home and say, well, I have these problems. Not many people have got more than three major problems. Hardly anybody's got more than ten. And if you started working on one or two at a time, don't take on ten if you've got ten, but if you've got ten, you're in a bad way. Just take on one or two and set about killing those thoughts. How do you do it? Well, for me, I don't like snakes. Like I, I, some people love them. I'm all for you if you love them. But if you let them cross my backyard, I'll kill them. <laughs> so long as nobody's looking. Because in Australia, you get fined for that. But however, I don't like them. But you like them, I'm all for you. Have my share. Uh, you don't have them over here, do you? Oh, oh, they're terrible. We'll send them over if you like. So... Bad thoughts, thoughts that support an ungodly nature are like rattlesnakes. They will kill you unless you kill them. And when you see these sorts of thoughts are my enemy, they will destroy my life with God. They'll destroy my life with my wife, Anne. They'll destroy me as a father. And at the most, they'll make me a mixture if I see how bad they are, if I see with my open eyes that sin is exceedingly sinful, as the Bible describes it, then I will destroy it, for it is out to keep me out of heaven. It is out to destroy my influence on the earth. Therefore, I am out to destroy it, and there is nothing in me that is not going to set about destroying it and eradicating it. But I must at the same time build the thoughts that support a new life of purity. There's a lot of pleasure in purity. There's a huge amount of pleasure. There's a huge amount of pleasure in generosity. A person that's had greed says to become generous, but then I might give it all away. No, you'll have generosity with wisdom. The wisdom of God is available to us. And generosity doesn't stand alone. It stands with wisdom. So with wisdom, I am generous to whoever God tells me to be generous to. Believing implicitly for the new creation man is built on faith. Believing implicitly that God is back of his word. And if he asks me to sow something into your life, he will bless me in return. And I expect it. I don't have to work at believing it. I just simply know that my God will never be my debtor. That God will always give more than he ever asks of me. I have found God pays incredible wages. For every hour you spend in prayer, you will reap enormous dividends. I have found that. 
I have found that I cannot outgive God. He will always bless me. So I have no problems with generosity because it's supported by that sort of thinking. You will have no problem with letting go of control if you're trying to control your wife or your husband. Give it up. You're only a pain. Uh, just see it like it is. But how can I give up control? What will happen if I don't control him? Because he's a bit of an idiot. Well, you can always trust him with God. You can still give advice, but not control. Nobody wants to be controlled. We want to be admired and loved, and we do want advice. We do want caution. We do want somebody to build wisdom. Okay, so everything builds on thoughts. And have a good think about the thoughts that support the life you want destroyed. Destroy those thoughts and the life can't exist. Once you've seen that, you've seen a great key to building the life of God. Now we read that Christ in us, well we didn't read this, Colossians 1.27, is the hope of glory. We read that God dwells in us. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has come to live inside of you. Now, for me to walk in that knowledge, I have to build a thought form that will allow me to. And if you're wise in your time of prayer, and if you start to do this sort of things, your prayer life will become incredibly rewarding. And it won't be boring and you won't say, now I'm going to pray for 10 minutes and it seems like an hour. But if you're working away with the Holy Spirit and building your life to carry the glory of God, it is never boring. So I start to build what sort of man do I need to be to carry the enormous supernatural power of God? Well, I have to be confident, secure, and a heap of other things. You name them. You know what you need to be. So I now start to now build the thoughts that will carry the anointing of God and the power that we talked about last night. And I want supernatural boldness on my life. So the old nature with inferiority, inadequacy, insecurity, it's going to die. That thing is my enemy. My problem was I used to really truly think I was inferior largely because I didn't have a formal education as a young man. So I felt insecure, inferior. And even after I'd passed all my exams, and even after I'd built a church that seated 5,000 people, and I had 5,000 people there, and 200 other churches, I still felt inferior and insecure. It doesn't matter what you build unless you destroy that cursed thing. It will live. It will live. There are many men trying still to please in their 60s their father who died 15 years ago. Many men. Because the thought in them is that I can't please dad because he was a bit of a tyrant or something. And still wanting to please Dad. That thought has got to die. 
Hello. Here I am. I'm back. That thought's got to die. You cannot live captive to that old nature. When that dies, you're free. For Christ has given me a new nature. I am no longer prisoner to my parentage or my father's bad temper. My dad was a great man. I loved him very much. But my dad never once in my memory told me he loved me. But his generation didn't usually do that. So amazingly as a result, I had a huge problem telling my son I loved him. I could tell my daughters I love them. But to tell my son, I love you, Philip, was the hardest thing in the world. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I'm a grown man with reasonable intelligence. But there was an emotional block. And when I worked out that my dad had never told me once, to my memory, that he loved me, but he did love me. His actions all proved it. I said, when I learned this, the thinking that supports this person who can't tell my son I love him. That sort of thinking is going to die. And the thinking that can say to Philip, I love you with pleasure attached to it, is going to grow and live. This one I'm talking about will change any part of your character. When you have these thoughts and they get deeply ingrained in you, there may be a demonic power attached to them. Well, if there was one attached to those thoughts in me, that demonic power left when that person died. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is my life, shall appear, I shall be just like him because I'll be transformed into his image from glory to glory to glory to glory present continuous tense. I will ever be being changed into the image of the one who redeemed me and now has become my life. He is the vine and I am the branch and I draw my sucker out of him. The sap of God flows out through me. I can do anything now because the living God is my strength. He is my life. He is not insecure. He is not inferior. He is not shy. He is bold. His boldness now comes into me. For the new creation man or woman is simply this. The Scripture says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe myself with His nature. One size does fit all. Not in clothing, but in Jesus. Whether you're a phlegmatic or a choleric or a sanguine or whatever you might be in personality tripes, Jesus Christ covers the entire spectrum. And you might say, well, I can't change. This is my personality. Of course you can change. You can change from this point of your personality to the most godly point you can get to. You can push the boundaries. Jesus Christ is whole. When I sit and meditate and I allow His presence to come and fill this part of my life that I'm working on, and I sense it, and it is very important to enjoy it, 
And this is the greatest question that you'll ever ask yourself in the whole world. Only preferably don't ask yourself, ask the Spirit who lives within you. Lord, what will I be like when I am a wisely generous man? And I feel good. I'm obeying what you prompted me to do. And I have a built a faith that knows that you will come and bless me, that I will be blessed. And God, the blessing of God is so wonderful. And in meditation on your own with God, I tell you, it will transform what you call your prayer life. It'll transform your character. It'll transform your personality. Absolutely it will. For I can be anybody now that Christ is. He is my life. He is my character. And so I allow His character to come up through me and, and replace this old life that I'm dead because I'm against those thoughts. Will the thoughts just lay down and die for you? No, nah, not necessarily. But you'll kill them. Depends how determined you are to kill them. If they're a rattlesnake to you, as soon as they poke up their head, you'll hit them with the blood of Jesus. You will be diametrically opposed to them. They are out to kill you. There's no peace in that war. There's no peace. You can't make peace with a terrorist. He'll kill you unless you kill him or get him saved. But check and make sure he's properly saved or he'll lie to you and then he'll kill you. There is no peace with the old nature. No peace. Now kill them. How do you kill them? With determination. With an absolute thing. With a picture in your head that they supported this life that is against the life of Christ. Therefore I'm going to kill it and that life will drop dead. And then if any person be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'd memorized that verse too. And it didn't become new. It was new until something went wrong. In my early days, I've seen a man with a six-ton blitz. The American army was up near Darwin, and I grew up in the outback, out, up in that country. And they left behind blitzes, jeeps, and all sorts of stuff. It didn't pay them to take it back to America, so they just left it there. And people bought these things, I knew from. But they had six-ton blitzers were all over the place. And those things, you cranked them in those days. And you'd crank these blitzes. And my goodness, they could, they could backfire and kick back. And if you didn't hold that crank handle right, they'd break your thumb. And there was a big, stringy bloke, tough man. He owned Esmeralda, which is the, our neighboring cattle station. Mind you, if you rode straight across the country, it was 50, 60 miles. And if you drove a car, it would be well over 100 to get to his place. But that was our neighbor on one side. I boundary mustered with him for years. And I was in the pub there one night with this guy. And we'd had a, whatever. The next morning, he had a terrible hangover and he was going to go home to Esmeralda. And outside the pub where he'd parked his blitz, because there was only a pub and a store, a police station, about 15 houses, 
That was the city that I grew up in. Went there two, three times a year, something like that in my wild teenage life. All the big lights. <laughs> a lot of things happened in that pub. However, saw a bloke ride a horse into it one day. Demand the publican give his horse a drink. All sorts of things. Anyhow, there he was. And he cranked that thing and it didn't start. And it was, they were heavy engines to turn over. And he was feeling crook. He'd been vomiting and whatever. And he cranked it again. I saw him with my own eyes pull that long crank handle out, big long crank handles, big, big blitzes. And he got that crank handle and he whacked it down the side of the driver's side door and he said, I'll make you go, you nasty thing. <laughs> he was a clever man. But how stupid can you be? When blitzers kick back, unless you've killed those thoughts and replaced them with praise God, those thoughts will come out before you can think to stop them. You've got to kill the tiger in the cage or the dog with a muzzle on him. Because your old nature's like that. He's inside here, just waiting to rear up. And most Christians, I think, put him down. But it's not put him down, kill him. Kill him. Kill the thoughts that let him live. So, who are we going to be to carry the supernatural power of God and the supernatural boldness? What person do I need to develop? What is this new creation, man, woman, that will carry the supernatural power of God? Well, I've got to think right about myself. If I think, oh, I'm a nobody and a nothing, I'm not going to carry the supernatural power of God very far because I'll fall over and it can go where it likes because I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to carry inferiority and then carry the supernatural power of God at the same time. I'm going to kill that fella. That thing there will destroy the supernatural power of God. Can you see the drift? So you can get home and you can work it out for yourself. Put off the old man. Be renewed in how you think deep within yourself. Put on godly thoughts that can support a supernatural lifestyle. Do you need me to take another mic or is this one okay? It's fine? Okay. So, so what thoughts will you work on in prayer? You and God meditating. The most translated word in Greek and Hebrew for meditation is think. But it's a spiritual thinking. It's thinking with God. You're not sitting there thinking all this out by yourself. That would be some form of psychology. Not a bad idea maybe, but you and I got greater than that. You're thinking it out with the Holy Spirit. It's important that you link pain to, the, to that part and pleasure. Mike is hungry. Look at that. He just wanted a lolly. He didn't have to go to that. Thank you very much. Your pastor is a good man. He's a great guy. You guys can turn this guy off, can't you? So that's the way. Okay. So... 
What a glorious thing. I can understand now how I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Whenever you read mind, read think, thoughts. That's what you're supposed to do with your mind. You're supposed to think. Not always do we do that, but that's what we're supposed to do. And so I am transformed by the renewal of how I think about things myself. I am born of the Spirit of God. I'm going to heaven. I'm important. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for me. God considers you and I incredibly important. I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. I can't improve on it. I can't try to get more holy. For I don't have any holiness of myself. He is my holiness. I can't improve on His holiness. Why would I try? So I think the right thoughts. I think the scriptural thought forms. And they will support this new life and stop me trying to be spiritual, knowing that I am a spirit. And it's perfectly natural for a spirit to be spiritual. I am a natural person, and it's perfectly spiritual for me to be natural. So to have a feed of steak is a perfectly spiritual experience. Absolutely. To give Anne a cuddle and a kiss is perfectly spiritual, for I am natural. So you can be spiritually natural and naturally spiritual. But if you try to change your natural self into spiritual, all you can end up is religious. And that's where all religion comes from, trying to make my natural self spiritual. How many of you tried to make your natural self a person of prayer, only to find it didn't want to pray all that much? You can't do it, you see. Your natural person is created to live in this natural world, but my spirit is created to relate to God who made me. So you are a spirit like I am a man. I don't have to say in the morning I am going to be a man today. I am one. Anne is a woman. She doesn't have to convince herself she's a woman. I am a spirit. God said so. I implicitly believe it. Because he told me I have an anointing from the Holy One and I know all things, 1 John 2.20, I am anointed from the Holy One. And I, I can move in the word of knowledge because I know all things. They're in me here. And my head will know that which he wants me to know out of the all knowledge that is within him. For he is now my life. He knows everything about you and everything about me. But I'll only know what he chooses to let me know about you and you about me. But he is my life and he is in you. And all knowledge is in you about running your business, your family, your home, your children, the conflicts that come up in life. And if I've developed my life with God, wisdom and knowledge can come up out of the Spirit who lives within me and give me insight, revelation, understanding. So if I'm going to carry the supernatural power of God, one, you were designed for that. Two, you were born again to carry that. Three, it is absolutely natural for you and I to be supernatural beings and carry the supernatural dimension of God. 
To be anything less than to carry the supernatural is substandard Christianity. We were all born again to carry the power of the kingdom of God. Well, you say, well, Clark, I don't do something. Well, that's nothing to be worried about. Just stop. We've all got to stop. And you stop where you are. But if you keep on going, you'll get to wherever you want to be. If you improve 1% a day, each day, some mathematician told me you'd improve 2,000% a year. Just 1%. Do you reckon you could improve 1%? That you could do what I'm talking about 1% more today than you did yesterday, 1% more tomorrow than you did today, then you'd be 2,000% increased within one year. You'll be a super saint. It won't take long. So it does not matter where we start. It only matters where we finish. Will we have a clear, smooth run straight through? Most likely not, because there is a devil. And that old nature doesn't lie down real quick, but you kill him a few times, and then you've got the mastery. And, you know, if you teach a dog, come behind, a cattle dog. And when you've got a pup, he won't take any notice of you. He'll carry on. But if you've got him on a lead and you give him a jerk when you say, come behind, and he finds out that when he does come behind, the jerks stop. And then after a while, you can let him out on a long lead and say, come behind, he'll come behind. Then you can let him off the lead and say, come behind, he'll come behind. You're going to sit and he'll sit. Well, the old nature, you're not going to teach it, train it like that. You're going to kill it. But then as Satan tries to rear it up a few times and you kill the spirit behind it as well. And you drive it out with the blood of Jesus. It too will leave you. And you will not be troubled by that thing that ruled or controlled your life anymore. You will be fine. Now to carry the supernatural of God, that's what God wants to do for me. So he that waits upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He'll mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And that word wait means to twine together by twisting. So if I twine my life around the supernatural dimension of God, I will exchange my ability to be supernatural, which is zero, for his ability to be supernatural, which is total. And I'll, that supernatural will start to come over me and settle over me. As I've just looked at Elijah and in my own way, endeavored to be discipled by Elijah, I've taken his mantle and wrapped it around me in my spiritual visualization, in faith, I've wrapped it around my brain so that it'll infuse my mind with spiritual life and power, wrapped it around my emotions so that the DNA of God can get into my emotions. I've wrapped it around my personality, just God and I sitting, uh, like I sit with God for long periods of time, night times usually. I have come to so enjoy it. It is the source of my life, that sitting by myself with him. But I do all these sorts of things. I just work with him and let him come and infuse me with his divine life, and that power that settles over me. And it's here this afternoon. And I can sense it. It's in the air. I've yielded my senses to him. Oh, most likely 
a thousand, maybe five thousand times. How do you do it? I do it like this. I just say, Holy Spirit, I yield my senses to you, so that I'll become so sensitive that the tightest touch, you'll, you'll, I'll hear it. I've broken in a lot of horses. We had 148 riding horses on the territory property, and I broke most of them in uh, just in my teenage years. And then for my horses, I'd want to be able to gallop them at stockyard rails. We had big yards. We could draft four or 5,000 head of cattle in those yards. Our main yards were huge. And uh, we, I could gallop him at the fence flat out, and I'd want to touch the reins with my little fingers and have him drop his rump down and slide to a stop, and pretty quick at that. I'd flick my finger, and he'd whip around on a thrippence, as we'd say in the old days. Just spin on his heels. And I've often thought of that. I said, Holy Spirit, I want to be a horse that you can ride. So at the touch of your little finger, I'll stop. And the touch of your heels on my ribs, I'll go. And the touch and I'll turn. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. I yield my life to you. I yield my emotions to you. I yield my mind to you. I yield my personality to you. I give you my face. I give you my whole being. I give you my eyes. And I'll go over it. And I'll spend quite some time sometimes on doing Why don't you try that? It truly does work. And you'll discover your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is an automatic result. Your spiritual life comes out of what I call your homework, you and God. And if you do this sort of stuff, it transforms your prayer life. Prayer is not boring. Prayer is you and the Holy Spirit working together and building your life in the Spirit. If you build yourself, you can build young people. But if you don't build yourself, you can give them your natural self, but that's all you've got. And that's not enough. If you, as a song leader, you did a great job, all of you up there. But if you wrap yourself around God and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to sing out of the Spirit, out of here, not out of here. I'm going to sing out of here and the anointing will be on my voice and it will go in people's ears whether they want it to or not and it will get down in their spirit and it will go off like little bombs in their spirit and they'll be caught alive and they'll come spiritually alive just sitting there if you meditate on it and wrap yourself around it throughout the week. I'll guarantee some poor guy has been dragged along here by his wife. will sit there and it will go in his ears because he, he doesn't know to keep it out. And the Spirit of God will get down inside of him or her and do marvelous things. Some teenager was we were in Invercargill not long ago. And there was one night we spoke, of course, and, and the, some people got saved. And one of them that got saved was a young lady. She said the prayer of salvation with great gusto and obviously some emotion. And a man brought her down. I thought it could be a father. I didn't know. And when we finished the salvation prayer, she wept somewhat then went over to her dad, wrapped her arms around him, and with real love kissed him on the cheek and said, Happy birthday, Dad. And we found out later she had tried to commit suicide the night before. 
And her father had got her along, almost persuaded her to come to the meeting that night. It was his birthday. And she gave her life. Her face was so changed. The spirit had come in. Oh, you could never tell the importance of what we do. It has such importance. How do you wait on God? They that wait upon the Lord, they that entwine themselves around the Lord, will uh, renew, that word means exchange, will exchange their life for God's life, their ability to know for God's ability to know, their ability to impart power for God's ability to impart power. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange their ability for His ability in whatever aspect you're waiting on Him. If you run a business, they that wait upon the Lord's ability to make money will exchange their ability to make money for His ability to make money and you'll discover divine connections will pop up. You'll just happen to meet somebody. Your things will come your way. Deals will just come. Got a man in our church. He has, he has made millions now doing this sort of stuff since he came there. Came there in a total mess. Marriage in a mess. Messy divorce. Cost him the world and everything else. And now today, he is a very wealthy man. And he has been changing his, his ability to make money for the Holy Spirit's ability to make money. Virtually every morning he does it. He's got huge businesses right across Australia. God can do anything. 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 Is there anything too hard for God? No. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Yes. Absolutely. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Seek the Lord with all your heart and you'll find him. When you seek for me with all of your heart. So you and I have a sure promise. So I can drive myself into God. Knowing that I have a sure promise. That the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. And now that I've learned how to kill whatever part of that old nature that might arise between now and the time of my death. I know how to treat that thing. No mercy. It's had no mercy on me. I have no mercy with the devil. I hate him. I got no mercy. He's got none with me either. Jesus Christ is the way to find him, find God. He's the way until the day I go to heaven. He's the way into everything deeper in God. And if I entwine my life around him, build his spirit into my spirit and change how I think, why, I can carry the mighty power of God to the level I have discovered it. But in a year's time, I'm going to have a lot more power. Because, uh, you know, you, it takes a while to get a certain amount of knowledge. But then you grow exponentially. And I keep telling God I must be in the exponential time period now.
I've got to be there now. So, but you build a platform. Like the first few hundred grand is the hardest. So they tell me. Now I'm sure it is. Paying off your first house. But after that, you've got some, something behind you. Hopefully, you've learned how to save money. Because it's not how much you earn, it's how much you've got left at the end of the week that really counts. Yeah, yeah. It's whether you have to eat that chocolate or whether you don't. Whether you've got to eat out all the time or whether you cook at home and save some money. Anyhow, it's all that stuff. That's not my business. That's your business. But God is available. And he has done it. When he was crucified, yours and my old man, old woman, died with Christ. Romans chapter 6. When he was raised from the dead, we were raised together with him. Now I wasn't born yet, but in God's mind I was. And God created a new nature for me way back then. He's had it ready for me ever since. And only of recent years have I learned how to put off the old one, be renewed in my thinking, and put on the new one. And it's been a wonderful experience, and I hope it is for you. And I wish you many hours of sheer joy, you and God together, working it through. I know you will have the victory if you do it. I have not a shadow of a doubt. It will transform your life. Now, I'd like, like to change mode, by the way, just before I go any further. Is there somebody that's come into this meeting this afternoon, and you've never yet given your life to Jesus Christ, because that's the beginning. And you can never get to the end unless you start in the beginning. And you, you know in your heart, that's what I really need to do with my life. And you've come here today, and you know that. I've had the privilege of leading thousands of people to Jesus, and I'd love the privilege of leading you. So would you just raise your hand if that's you? Would you slip your hand up? Just put it up higher, because I'd love to lead you to Christ today. And have all your sin forgiven. And the Spirit of Jesus come into your life. When you walk out of these doors, you'll be a different person. And then all things become possible to you. Because the Spirit of God has come into your life. Last time I'm asking, just slip your hand up if, if you would like me to pray with you like that.